Welcome to episode 30 of the Everyday Ascends podcast. I'm Jack Richardson, joined by Brennan Parks. Brennan, it's episode 30. It's been 30 of these that we've done. It's kind of a nice little internal milestone, let's say. Again, if you are here on YouTube, hit the subscribe button. We're on the road to 1,000 subscribers. We're trying to hit that before training camp. I think we're going to do it. Uh, in the dog days of August here, we're doing comparisons against other teams that the Sens are stacking up against, not necessarily the Atlantic. Some big moves happening uh, in the Eastern Conference. I guess we could touch a little bit on Eric Carlson and the Penguins a little bit. We didn't have a chance to talk about that. Uh, but before we get into that, how are you doing on this Tuesday, August 8th? We're doing a Tuesday drop today because of the uh, long weekend. So how was your weekend, Brendan? It was good. Yeah, I mean, I've got uh, two more days here until I'm moving to Edmonton. So a little bit of personal news on that. But that's nice for me. You know why? Because they're two hours behind there. So the Suns games are going to start at five most nights, which I love because then they're going to be done at like eight o'clock and I can produce some more content. I'll be up for pods after the game. You'll be dead tired. So uh, yeah, it'll be nice. But uh, otherwise, I mean, I don't think we're going to hit the hour mark today. Maybe we'll push it somehow. But uh, yeah, we've been we've been hitting that consistently. But right now, man, there's been nothing sends related. Still waiting on that Pinto contract and the Sokolov notably. So those should happen at some point. Hopefully we don't get into like a, a holdout nerve wracking situation where we're like into training camp and Pinto's not signed. That would be super unfortunate. And like I said before, I'm hoping Pierre did his research and kind of talked to Shane and was like, yeah, we're going to sign Tarasenko to five million. But like you're on board with this, right? Like you're going to be able to still sign with us. You're not going to hold out. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise still going to be writing articles, still going to be producing these pods. Uh, as much as we can, we're going to do a members pod tomorrow. So look for that. Uh, obviously, the first bit of that will be free as well. Uh, to everybody so yeah we can get in I, I do want to talk about the carlson thing a little bit i want to get your take on that i know a lot of people were sour that was a huge deal i don't like that was a bigger trade than i've seen in some time like not even the sense trade was that big uh with three teams so yeah what were your uh what were your thoughts on that i bet you were pretty upset about that weren't you yeah i, I was i was there were, there were so many moving parts though too right i mean i mean it's crazy that we literally press record we were going to record and then i just thought of it like oh yeah we should definitely talk about this it's a huge deal um, <clears throat> excuse me. We will be uh, comparing the Ottawa Senators to the Florida Panthers as the team we've chosen for this episode. So we're not going to talk about the Penguins in depth yet and how they stack up in the East and all that. We will though, especially with this move. Um, yeah, it's not uh, not ideal. I would say. I think for for my Sens fandom because I, I, I look obviously I want Eric Carlson to succeed. I think him winning a cup. Mark Stone just did it. I think if Carlson could at some point in his career, it'd be great. Um, but this the, the penguins are the source of a lot of pain for sense fans over the years you know 2008 they got knocked out of the playoffs 2013 and 2017 so just bookended every four or five years three times the penguins ended any sense playoff hopes and that's that's not nothing that's a lot um to enough to create a rivalry and you know disdain for one franchise and look having carlson have his best year i know last year he was he won the norris again 100 points and all that I think Sens fans are aware that 2017 playoff run was was outstanding for any player. It was it was a very unique playoff performance on one leg from Carlson. The fact that that ended with the Penguins in that double overtime game in Game Seven, and then everything fell off after that for the Sens. Like it's weird. It's a weird feeling. The other wrinkle to me is, look, I don't know if it, it was, it was rumored. He was linked. Kyle Dubas was linked to Ottawa as well as Pittsburgh. And it wasn't nothing. It wasn't, it was a, he might be waiting on this ownership situation. I think the dragged out process made Dubas have to decide and just take Pittsburgh because it was an offer. He could have been the president of hockey ops and the general manager in Ottawa. Right. I mean, 
so so again, there's another cog there. And look, not to say that he would have found a way to get Eric Carlson to Ottawa because we make our jokes. It would have been great to see him here. I don't think he would have fit. So that's not what this is about. It's more just about the nostalgic fan in me and also that the Eastern Conference keeps, keeps just loading up. And I tweeted it out that there are multiple, multiple playoff caliber teams in this conference. There's probably three or four, maybe just three that should not have a realistic hope of making the playoffs. Uh, but the rest do. And that's scary if you're a team that needs to make it next year, like the Sens. So uh, what were your thoughts on, on the trade? The trade itself was crazy though. It was nine players. Somehow the Penguins saved cap space with this deal. Like what a, what a trade for Kyle Dubas. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Petrie went back to Montreal. They traded Mike Hoffman again. He had another cent on the move. He's just been tossed around. Like nobody, nobody is keeping Hoffman long-term at this point. Uh, I couldn't believe the amount of players. If we go back to the Carlson trade originally, let me, let me see if I can pull this off the top of my head. So Ottawa ended up getting Stutzla, Norris, Ostapchuk, uh, Marilainen, and uh, there might've been one other. Sogard. Sogard. Yeah. Th- those so, were yeah. all from the trade tree, which is insane. Yeah. yeah, like DeMello turned into yeah. the pick that they used for Marilyn mm-hmm. and like I think they, they traded two picks to trade up to draft Sogard in twenty nineteen. So all those all those players are are because of the Carlson trade. It's crazy. And that like that trade is really Pierre Dorian's saving grace. Like he probably wouldn't be here if that trade didn't work out the way it was, just because like you see Tim Stutzel is probably the most important player on the Sens. I think he's solidifying himself as like he's a number one center, right? And you got him from that deal. Uh, and again, like that, that was the Sharks pick. Eh? That that boosted up in the lottery to third overall uh so if if like the sharks were expected to be i think they were a playoff team the year before or two years before and they were expected to be a playoff contender and then they just collapsed sort of like ottawa did and ottawa got super lucky like listen pierre i applaud you for that trade now but at the same time when that trade was made people were angry like people did not think and there was no way that they thought that san jose was going to collapse either that was kind of a a uh, a lucky thing that happened but Regardless, I've got this little picture of Eric pulled up. If you uh, if you want to be tortured, just look on YouTube right now because I've got this jersey swap for Eric Carlson in Pittsburgh, and it looks just horrible. <laughs> um, so, like you said, I think the the it's kind of funny seeing him in Pittsburgh, considering they ruined our franchise for six years. But um, the biggest thing to me is the Eastern Conference, and we're gonna dive into every team like we've talked about or most teams. Um, but like Pittsburgh, in my mind, was kind of a lost cause like i know they have crosby i know they still have malkin they have latang they have these guys but they're old like they're an older team they're kind of like boston in the sense and with pittsburgh you've already seen it like they're regressing right they regressed this past year did they make the playoffs no way or no they missed so you know you've got all these good star players but at the same time they're well past their prime adding carlson who just had a 100 point season and he's a he's a norris winner like three three times now like that's Man, I mean, really? Like, I was angry just for the fact that Ottawa now has so much more competition. Because uh, I think, and we'll talk about the makeshift of their team, but I think that, like, adding him, that really puts them at least a couple steps ahead. You know what I mean? Like, that puts them on the next tier up. Uh, I did not project them as a playoff team, and now I'm second-guessing because you've added a, just a literal game-changer. So, um don't like that, but at the same time, I mean, we can be optimistic and say it's going to be fun to watch the bloodbath in the East this season. That's going to be my optimistic take. My pessimistic is that this just got a whole lot harder for the Sens to potentially make the playoffs and end their six-year drought, right? So, Yeah, and the, the other reason I don't like it is because whenever the Sharks and Sens would play, there weren't super important implications, right? It's an East and West team. It was nice that he was out there. It doesn't really matter seeing him do well. But now that he's in Pittsburgh, like I, we have to cheer against him because, you know, we talk, we're going to talk about the Florida Panthers, but this is a team that's, you know, 
competing with Ottawa for a spot and not that anything's a lock going into the year, but it wouldn't be surprising if, if this is one of the teams that ends up being a wild card, you know, hopeful or whatever. Um, so it's that part of it. I want to talk a little bit. I made a little headline here for, for the YouTube. Um, we're revisit. Let's revisit a little bit. The original Carlson trade, because yeah, like a lot of moving parts for the penguins and sharks and the Habs, a three team trade. And, you know, Pittsburgh gets rid of, I, I read a penguins fan talking about how, Dubas in in one trade just added an elite player in the league and got rid of every mistake that the previous GM had had made, which is crazy to think about. But um, aside from that, if you just look at what the you know th- there's a, there's some kind of multiverse somewhere where the Sens don't trade Carlson, and you were kind of reminiscing there on the Sharks timeline and how that all worked. This is how it was. It was in the training camp of 2018. The Sens trade Carlson, right? Big deal. A lot of draft picks because obviously a lot of those players we named are guys that the Sens drafted. And honestly, like Chris Tierney, Josh Norris, and Dylan DeMello were the names that came back uh, in that deal. The rest were draft picks. Like the Stutzel pick ended up being third overall in 2020. So the Sharks, that first season with Carlson, go on this run to the Eastern Conference Final in 2019. They made the Eastern Conference Final that year. Signed Carlson to a massive extension, the 11.5 for eight years. Like it's, it's a crazy contract and he's worth it. Don't get me wrong, but a very, very heavy payday. They come in the next season and just tank and they absolutely tank. They could not win. I remember distinctly every day I was, I mean, I'll admit it. And any sense fan who kind of gets on me for this can, can, you know, hindsight's 2020, whatever. I was cheering for the sense to lose that year because it was their tank year. And then I'm checking every day to see if the sharks lost and they kept losing, kept losing. And quite honestly, that's the year that got cut short from COVID, right? Because COVID happened in March of 2020. 10 games didn't get played. I think I'm not, I'm not making an assumption here, but like if that season gets played out, maybe the sharks make their standing better. And that doesn't end up being the third overall pick. The lottery was, I believe it was Detroit who was first, had the first overall odds. Ottawa was second. And then Ottawa again at third with San Jose's pick and their San Jose pick ended up staying in third, which got them Tim Stutzla second overall dropped to fifth overall, which was Jake Sanderson. It's crazy thinking about all that just over three years later. Um, and it's crazy again that Carlson gets traded because yeah, this, the Carlson trade, I think when they made the trade, I remember the tweet from the team was most important trade in the rebuild and everyone, you know, heads were exploding because it was ridiculous. They just traded out, you know, the best player, the best defenseman in the league for, for what seemed like pennies on the dollar. Um, but it's crazy looking at it three years later. Like this is, this is the most important trade in the rebuild. They weren't kidding. Um, and for, you know, a team that struggles with PR and everything, it was, it was a very interesting stance to take and it worked out. The thing about Dorian is, yeah, is a saving grace for sure. And I don't, I'm not even prepared. Like I know a lot of people talk about this too, but can you give him credit for that trade? Uh, or it's, it's, this is a half half balance thing, right? Like if, if it hadn't worked out, excuse me, if it hadn't worked out, then they wouldn't be able to, you, you, you can't say that, it was it was a good trade, obviously, but you could detract from Dorian. But since it did work out, it, a lot of it was luck because no one was planning on the Sharks tanking that season. It just really worked out for them. I think it was good karma for the uh, Duchesne trade and how that turned out to Ottawa losing a lottery pick in 2019. They just got two in 2020 instead. So um, what were your, I guess, if you can remember, I mean, it was five years ago that Carlson was traded from Ottawa. And if you can rack your memory a little bit, like what, what was your initial thoughts at the time and obviously how it's turned out now with with not just Tim Slitzel but Josh Norris too who's also a first line caliber center it's it's unprecedented 
Yeah, it is. And I don't even think I was on Twitter at the time that this happened. I think I joined Twitter in like 2019, 2020. Um, but yeah, so I did not like the trade as most people didn't when it first came in because like the trade I have it up, it, it was Chris Tierney, Rudolph's Balsers, um, Dylan DeMello, Josh Norris, a first round pick in 2019 or 2020. So we didn't even know at the time, like, and then a second round pick in 2019 and two conditional draft picks. So like that was a lot of quantity, right? And, and of course they got a lot of pieces and that was kind of the good side was okay. We have some pieces for the rebuild now at least, but it didn't feel like a lot of quality because even at the time Norris was a 19th overall pick, I want to say, and he wasn't touted as like a first line guy. When they got him, he was, I think even in the, like when Dorian talked about it, I'm pretty sure he referred to him as a third line center or no, somebody. That did. was Trent. It was yeah. Trent man. It was Trent man. Yeah. who said we didn't know he had this potential. Yeah, yeah. They were like, we thought he was going to be a third line center. So that just kind of tells you too, that they got lucky because he eclipsed what they had projected him as for development. Cause if, if Josh Norris was a third line center and that first round pick that was third overall, was where it was expected to be, which was probably in the at least the middle of the first round or like near 20th overall, whatever it was like. <laughs> I mean, if you don't get Stutzler there and you get a prospect who's another like third line guy, for example, I don't like I said, I don't think Dorian's still here. I think you he would have been fired because the rebuild would be delayed. If you don't have number 18 right now in Ottawa, the rebuild would not be where it's at right now. I can assure you of that. It would be well behind uh, and kind of off the rails. So uh, they got lucky with that, and I think that was kind of a saving grace because Dorian has made some other pretty questionable moves, and people will let you know that, Sens fans in Ottawa. Um, but this move, you, you can always go back and look at it and say, I mean, they've got five of their most key pieces right now in the organization from that trade. And, and of course, like DeMello was flipped. It wasn't right from that trade, but again, that that's all from Pierre Dorian's work. So, uh, And hey, I liked Rudolph's Balsers too. I still think they should have brought him back. He was one of my favorites, and he just got... He got pushed aside. I think he's out of the league now, too. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, I think it sucks to see Carlson in Pittsburgh, um, but I'm still happy with the return he got. I was OK with trading him at the time, too. I, I didn't like I would have been fine if they signed him. But I, again, I think the rebuild would be I don't even know where it would be right now if they didn't trade Carlson. Like, it's just too important of a piece. They'd be strapped with that eleven point five million dollar contract. Maybe they move him for the pieces. Like, I didn't like what San Jose got. I know they were just dumping his salary mostly, but I, I mean, they didn't really get that much quality. I didn't think in this trade it was kind of just a, we're trading the best defenseman in the league because we don't want to pay him. So um, for Ottawa, that would have kind of sucked if that ended up being the case. But uh, yeah, overall, Eric Carlson is still paying dividends. He's going to be paying dividends to Ottawa for the next, you know, at least seven, eight years as they've got Stutzla and Norris locked up here. Um, but yeah, those, those are kind of my thoughts and I'm going to hate watching him in Pittsburgh, I'm going to hate rooting against him uh, because I won't root for the Penguins and I will not root for, like, especially now that Ottawa is going to be competing with them. You could see a situation at the end of this year with how much of a bloodbath this is where Ottawa is fighting right with Pittsburgh until the end to get a playoff berth. Like, that's just the reality of it, right? So uh, it's going to suck. But yeah, those, those are kind of my thoughts on it. And if you've got anything else, go for it. That's, that's pretty much it. And I'm, I'm not looking forward to the games against Pittsburgh, the games in Pittsburgh when they're here. Like it's, it's, you know, if anyone has been to a Sens and Penguins game in the last 15 years, it's full of Crosby fans, which makes sense. He's one of those players that just makes fans. I mean, one of my good friends is a Penguins fan and he has no reason, no tie to Pittsburgh. It's just because when he was a kid, he liked Crosby. Now he's here and he's talking about, oh, we got Carlson or, you know, whatever. And I, I, my head wants, like, I want to explode, you know, um, it, it sucks, but that being said, uh, we just pulled a segment out of thin air, and that's that's what we do here. Uh, I know people might it might be weird that we're kind of not complaining, but this is the dog days of summer. Nothing happens in August in the NHL. Uh, this trade obviously just happened in August, but it's usually very quiet. There's nothing happening for the Sens, and like you mentioned, Pinto 
Uh, Sokolov need new deals, but a lot of RFAs in the league do as well. Like Zegers is still a big one that hasn't been done. Um, so we will we will slowly wait for all that to come out. But in the meantime, we are going to compare the Ottawa Senators to the Florida Panthers. Now, if anyone missed episode 29, we did this with the Buffalo Sabres. And basically what we do, use Cap Friendly's depth chart page, and they're, they're I'd say, 75% accurate in terms of what the lines were. I think they have a science to how they do it, you know. I don't know if it's just organized by highest paid, whatever it is, but it's usually fairly accurate. So we're going to do the same thing today. We're going to go line by line. We have our own, you know, first line in Ottawa's head. It's Kachuk, Stutzel, and Giroux, and, and so forth or whatever. We'll see how it slots afterwards, but most teams' depth charts are set right now. So we are going to use August as that month to do that. So uh, the four Panthers, Brendan, obviously this team went on quite the run. These two teams were were tied at the trade deadline, let's say. And then went in two different directions. Florida got hot, made the playoffs on a whim, actually. Uh, and then the Sens missed. But then the Panthers went on and beat the Boston Bruins in seven, came back from 3 1 down. Then they beat the Toronto Maple Leafs in five games, sweep the Carolina Hurricanes. And those were, I believe, three of the four best teams in the NHL. And then they lose to Vegas in the Stanley Cup finals, obviously. So quite the run from Florida. It was very impressive. Was not a fluke where they got lucky with matchups. They beat the best teams in the league. Um, so they went on a run. So let's compare the rosters because they did take a bit of a hit this summer. Um, did not improve. Definitely not. Like, I don't think anyone can argue that. So let's compare because I think these two, these two teams were very, very close last year as it is. Um, so I'm curious just to see what we, we go in with and we're kind of going in cold. Like we kind of glanced at the lines, but, um, when we go line by line, D pair by D pair, goalie by goalie could be a different answer. So, uh, let's pull that up right now and, uh, you can, you can start us off here. For sure, yeah. So we can just look at uh, look at this cap friendly again. And I just want to again preface this by saying that we aren't like pros in in Florida Panther scouts here. Uh, I don't have like I remember last episode with Casey Middlestad. I totally thought that guy was a bust, and then I looked and he had a sixty point season. So uh, I don't have like firm uh, understandings of where every player in their lineup is development wise. But uh, this lineup is fairly accurate. I've looked at some of what the, the Panthers fans say when we get to the defense. It's going to be a little bit different than what you're seeing on the screen. Again, if you're not on YouTube, you won't see this. We're going to try to verbalize it. But if you want to, you can go on cap friendly, look at their depth chart, or you can just pull it up on YouTube. We've got it all here. Uh, so we're going to go line by line, but we kind of want to use player tiers because for Ottawa, like on Ottawa's depth chart, it's Kachuk, Stutzel, Tarasenko, and then Giroux on the left side, Norris and Batherson, which I think might be what they do ultimately. Um, but We'll try and go with player tiers. So for the Panthers, their first line is considered to be on here. Carter Verhage, Alex Barkov, and Matthew Kachuk. So obviously, I think the best player of anybody on this list is Matthew Kachuk. That guy is next level, and hopefully Brady can follow in his footsteps. But right now, uh, Matthew is just a different beast. Right? He's 25 years old, uh, 109 points last season, 40 goals, and obviously was in incredible in the playoffs. I mean, he was probably the biggest factor behind their ridiculous playoff run to the finals. Uh, he just carried them through everything, him and Bobrovsky um, a little bit there too. So uh, I think obviously we can we can kind of, like for the first line, I think Kachuk's got everybody beat, but then I think that Timmy's pretty... I mean, I, I don't want to say he's better than Barkov. Barkov's a great two-way player, but Timmy, they had the same point per game ratio, and, and I think that Tim is a little more dynamic, a little more explosive. Uh, he's better offensively, but they're fairly close in regards to talent. I think they'd all be in that top tier. Uh, I think everybody in regards to both first lines would be in that top tier, except for Verhage, but at the same time, Verhage scored 42 goals last year, so now I'm second-guessing myself. Uh, what do you think about the, the top tier for forwards? Is that going to be, for Ottawa, that should be Tim, Brady, Giroux, 
assuming Claude can kind of withstand what he did last season. And then that's probably it for their top tier. Maybe Norris, but at the same time, I think he's too much of a question mark. Uh, and then for the for the Panthers, I think you've got Barkov and Kachok at least, and then maybe Verhage based on last year. I I like Verhage a lot, yeah. to be honest. I think he had one. This might have been his third year in Florida, maybe second, but I know he he had one really out of nowhere season. But he keeps scoring goals, and he, he was good in the playoffs too. Like I like him a lot. So I I gotta be honest. I know I'm a Sens fan, whatever, and I love the Sens top line. I think if this is a top line, because I don't think they all played like in the playoffs, they move things around with depth and everything. But when you're going depth chart, their three best forwards are these guys. And those are the, the send three best forwards. Probably. Um, I think I'm taking Florida's. And honestly, if you go Kachuk versus Kachuk Matthew right now, I'm taking him. Barkov is like, the thing is too, like we're going in as, as it's next year. Right. And maybe I take Giroux over for Hagee, but I think I take Barkov and Matthew Kachuk over Brady and Stussel. But we're younger, right? So if this is a three, four year question, I'm taking the Sens. It's just that these guys are proven now. They're in their middle of their prime. Uh, I, I I have to take Matthew and, and Barkov. Um, now, that being said, it's close. It's closer than it was last year. I think this, both of those guys, Brady and Timmy, had unreal years last year. Um, it's just going to be a question of if they can do it again. And I know that with Brady and Matthew, I think they've kind of followed the same trajectory, right? Matthew's played two more years in the league. And he's had back-to-back 100-point seasons. So if Brady goes out and puts up 100-plus next year, which is, again, not uh, out of the question, like he keeps improving every year, we can't put it past him, then it's a discussion. Like then, is this the peak of Matthew Kachuk? And again, I think when you say peak, people think it has a negative connotation. Like it's not a bad thing. His peak is a top five player in the NHL. So that's not nothing. But is this his peak? And if it is, then can Kachuk, like our Kachuk, reach that peak? That's a great question to ask, I think. And we'll find out. Uh, obviously in, in the next two years but right now as it stands right now i have to take florida's top line over um over ottawa's and it's not a it's not even really a you know matthew kachuk's on top then i got stutzel and barkov in the same tier like to me i've got matthew kachuk barkov in one in like tier a or s tier whatever you want to call it then below i've got the rest i've got you know kachuk stutzel Giroux, and then probably verhage right after that like it's that tight, but I think the top end talent for Florida on that top line is, is pretty, uh, it stands out a lot. It does. Yeah. Now I'm looking at, at some Panther fan projections because I think they're a little more, a little more accurate. Most of them are, have the consensus. Actually, all of them have their top line as being Verhage, Barkov and Evan Rodriguez, not Kachuk. Kachuk and Barkov don't play together. I don't think, I, I don't know why, but they don't seem to be a, a combo that they actually use. So in that case, I mean, that changes things. If you've got Evan Rodriguez, who was a, an unsigned free agent for quite some time, obviously had a good year last year, but he is certainly not a, a top line or even top six player. Uh, he's more of a third line guy. So if you remember the Panthers, though, one of their reasons for success was that they balanced everything out. They had Nick Cousins playing up their lineup. I just looked a couple of fans even said like they have Cousins on their second line this year. Obviously, Cousins, again, nine goals, 27 points, seven, nine games, the fourth line forward pretty much. But they played him up and that worked for them was they created that balance. So. um in regards to tiers, I think that is important just because this lineup probably isn't what they're going to actually roll in regards to combos. Um, but yeah, it just has to be noted that still they have a lot of top end talent, um, but they probably won't actually end up playing together, which is kind of interesting. For the sake of this, we will use it just because that's easier, but uh, just keep that in mind. So moving on to the second line, we've got on here, uh, Louis Dreinen, Sam Bennett, and Sam Reinhardt, which is a pretty impressive second line. Uh, I think they do like to roll Bennett with Kachuk based on what I'm seeing. Um, but again, for this, like, 
it's a good second line, right? And Louis Drennan, too. A lot of fans have Mackie Samuskevich, who is a good prospect, pretty highly touted prospect on their second line this year, where Louis Drennan is, and then Louis Drennan on the third line. Uh, we'll see what happens in camp. He's not guaranteed a role, Samuskevich. So uh, I think the second line, obviously, if we're comparing it to uh, how do you want to, so you want to do Norris, uh, Batherson, and Kubalik on the second line, or Giroux? Uh, let's do let's do Tarasenko. Might as well. Oh, sorry, yeah, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll save Kubalik for the third one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Tarasenko, um, Norris, and and Batherson. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, it's such a good second line. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, we're we're doing all right here, and this is why we're doing this exercise, right? I mean, this is this is I don't want to say the the uh, standard or whatever, but this is a team that found success in the playoffs. So stacking them up against each other is important. And if look, I don't know if there will be any Panthers fans watching this, but we're trying our best here not to be totally sense biased. And I think, I think that is important when you do this exercise, obviously we're going to be favorable to our own guys, but I think every sense fan will, you know, somewhat agree that the top line for the Panthers probably takes the cake. And I would say that the second line for the sense takes the cake there. Um, now there, there are some factors. It, it, Batherson has to bounce back in his overall game. He did have 62 points, which again would be, uh, I believe it looks like Reinhardt had 67 there, if I'm reading that correctly. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's obviously the highest of any, you know, the second, third lines. Yeah, there we go. That that's a little, uh, yeah, nice. Okay. So people watching on the YouTube again, um, it shows, you know, their cap hit points from last year, whatever it is. Um, Sam Bennett, 40 points in 63 games. That's, that's not crazy. I think Norris outproduces that. I think, uh, Batherson did outproduce that. Like stuff like that is important to consider as well. 31 goals for Sam Reinhardt too. He had a pretty good year, actually. Um, that's the thing. Like, do you do you value a guy like Sam Reinhardt over Josh Norris? Like, if I were to make a trade one for one today, I guess you have to factor in the cap hit a little bit. But Reinhardt's going into a contract year with 6.5 million left on his cap hit. Like, I might actually take Sam Reinhardt over Josh Norris just based on that. But the other two, like the wingers, I'm, I'm taking, or I guess Reinhardt's a center, but I don't know. That's why the cap friendly is not great. He has him listed as a right wing here, but like he did play center in the playoffs. I think he was on the third line or whatever it was. They had, they had Barkov, Bennett, and um, excuse me, uh, Reinhardt, Reinhardt. Most of their so, fans do have him on the wing though. Okay. So he's, he's a, he's maybe better of a, as a Giroux comparable. But anyway, my point is I think in that group, I'm taking Norris over all three of those guys, but then I could see like, um, or sorry, I'm all over the place, man. I'm taking uh, Reinhardt over Norris, but then I think the rest I'm taking the Sens. Like I'm taking um, Norris over Bennett. I'm taking Batherson over Bennett, and I'm taking Tarasenko over Bennett. And then Luster Reinen is a good player. Probably I don't know if he's going to be a second line guy. Like that's the thing. They seem to have a hole in their top six right now, right? It's kind of what the Sens were faced with before getting Tarasenko. Like they have a hole where I'm not doubting that Luster Reinen can't put up top six numbers when he's playing in the top six, but you know, throughout the regular season, you you do need to kind of establish a top six, whereas Florida found success in the playoffs by staggering this and putting, having a strong third line, which again is why we were not dry. I don't want to say driving a narrative, but you and I both agreed that the Sens need a solid top nine that you can jumble around, which they now have. So based on this though, I think the second line for the Sens, I'm taking over it. I don't know about you, um, but the Sens second line just sounds more like a first line to me. Like that could pass as a first line on a team. Uh, whereas I don't think this one could for the Panthers. No, and I think like, yeah, there's a good comparable between Reinhardt and Norris. Norris is also a bit younger and obviously has term, but he also has those health concerns. That's probably why I would take Reinhardt is because I'm scared that Norris is going to suffer through injuries through half of his contract. 
uh, which would suck. But yeah, Reinhardt is coming off of a good year. He's a great two-way player as well. Otherwise, though, I mean, I don't even think there's a conversation between, like, I would take Bathurst and Tarasenko over Bennett and Lewis Drennan quite easily. Um, I, I don't even think you need to even explain that. Like, uh, they're just better players. Like, it, I expect them to do more. So I definitely think that Ottawa's second line as a whole, like you said, is kind of a first line. And yeah, you, you talked about holes in Florida's top six. Like I said, most of their fans are projecting Evan Rodriguez and, and Mackie Samuskevich to fill top six roles for them. Neither of those players are, or at least proven in Samuskevich's case. Um, by the way, I'm, in, I'm impressed by my ability to say that name because that is a hard name and I've gotten really yeah, good at it. Yeah, Sam Samuskevich. You rattled that off really quickly yeah. too, like, that, like it was nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I mean, having those guys in your top six, it kind of reminds me of Ottawa just plugging players in and hoping that they can fill a role uh, offensively where they just haven't proven it in the past. So uh, I know that, like I said, Florida kind of thrived on depth this year and, and balancing their lineup, but I think that that could come back to bite them uh, in this just lethal Eastern Conference. So I think we're kind of in the consensus. My only thing with being biased, uh, maybe I'm just biased, but I'm so high on Tim Stutzla in regards to like a competition with any center in the league. Uh, I know NHL Network had him ranked 15th overall on their list uh, for centers in the league, which I don't know if Barkov, I'm assuming Barkov is probably higher than that, but um I will almost go to war with Tim Stutzla versus any center aside from like McDavid and, and those top guys. But uh, regardless, I, I will we'll wait to see what Timmy does this season. I think he's going to really solidify himself as like a top 10 center uh, and earn the, the respect he deserves. So regardless of that, we'll move to the third line here. So far, it's kind of like Florida's top guys, maybe the top two guys. Uh, and then Ottawa's got just like a wealth of guys who are then above the next tier of Panthers players is kind of the way it's like Barkov and Kachuk. And then Ottawa's got like, Stutzla, Kachuk, Giroux, like Norris, right? They've got all these guys, and then Florida's guys are kind of below that. Bennett, Reinhardt could kind of be in that top tier as well, but it's close. So Florida's third line on here is listed as Evan Rodriguez, uh, Anton Lundell, and Grigory Denisenko. Denisenko is is one of those unproven prospects as well. They expect him to make the team, but it's going to come down to training camp. That could also be Sam Iskevich. Um I mean, you look at this group and, and then you compare with Ottawa, who we're going to leave Matthew Joseph out of it again just because of the cap issues, right? Uh, I think he'll be a cap casualty, but if not, then we'll, we'll kind of factor him in. Um, for Ottawa, then we will do Ridley, Greg, Shane Pinto, and Dominic Kubalik. And I have to say, I, I am so high on that line. Like, I am really high on Ottawa's third line. I think it's going to be hard-pressed, uh, and other fans will probably call it biased because they're not that high on Pinto and whatever, and Greg's unproven, but I, I personally think that that line will be one of the better third lines in the league or in the Eastern Conference. It's just, like, assuming Greg can fill a full-time role, Pinto is, is he's a 20-goal scorer, but he's a really good two-way player. He was playing in a, in a second-line role that he shouldn't have been last year, and he thrives still, so I think he's going to be great in the third line. Kubalik, another 20-goal scorer who will probably produce more in Ottawa, and, and especially on the power play. Um, but like I said, I mean, if you look at Rod- Rodriguez, Lundell, and Gregasenko, Denisenko versus Greg, Pinto, and Kubalik, I think you have to take Ottawa's third line uh, as a whole, but Rodriguez, again, if he's in that role, maybe you take him over Ridley Gregg. Personally, though, yeah, I'm going to be hard-pressed to, to ever say that Ottawa's third line is worse than most of these third lines if, in fact, Ridley Gregg is a full-time NHL player. I, I, I like the way that this kind of stacks up. And, yeah, we, we you know, you mentioned Florida fans have had Evan Rodriguez in the top six or whatever, but I, I like it the way this is set up because it kind of, you know, he, you can compare it to Ottawa's third line. And, and like I said, Ottawa's going to have the ability to jumble up the top nine like they want. And Florida's probably going to do the same thing, but like in terms of depth and how they get paid and whatever, um, this makes sense. So I think you go Rodriguez versus Kubalik, you go Lundell versus Pinto and Denisenko against Greg. And I think that's fair because Denisenko is 
probably played the same amount of games as Greg. It looks like, I don't know if that was the only 18 he's played, but similar, you know, timeline, like it's a prospect who's going to be a rookie next year. I'm guessing uh, like Greg will be. And, and I think that's a fair comparison. Rodriguez and Kubalik. I'm taking Kubalik because he is just produces more. And I think Rodriguez um, has been on some pretty good teams as well. And Kubalik hasn't really. So you got to factor that in as well. Um, the, the only question for me is Lundell versus Pinto and I'm still taking Pinto. So I'm with you on that. Uh, but that's the only close one to me, right? I, I, I think that's fair to say that like Pinto outproduced him last year, but it, I don't know. I mean, like that's not a bad stat line for Lundell. I like him a lot, actually. I think, you know, he's ironically, great defensively, he's great defensively. The Sens had three picks in the 2020 draft and I was hoping, and we were all were that the, it was the Islanders pick that the Islanders wouldn't do so well in the bubble. Of course, they end up going to the Eastern Conference final. So it ends up being pick 28, which is where they got Ridley Gregg. Um, again, thrilled with Greg still, but Lundell was one of those guys I was hoping would fall into the mid-teens for the Sens kind of thing, if that that's where their pick was. So I was, you know, it's a great pick for Florida. I think he's a great player. So um, that's the only, you know, debate, I guess, for me anyway, in that third line, but I'm still taking Pinto. Like I'm very high on Shane Pinto as well. So um, yeah, I, I take Ottawa's third line. Now let's do fourth line quickly. It's, it's going to probably be a trend here because we're, again, I'm, gonna guess that you're doing the same thing i'm taking this over ottawa's fourth line i think just alone the fact that nick cousins had the ability to go play up and be successful on a second or first line or whatever he was um that's enough literally for me to say that this line's better ryan lomberg is a dog i think he's a great player too i hate watching him play against the Sens because he's so effective at being a pest um and steve lorenz i think is maybe i'm not i'm not really too familiar with him but eight or sorry 10 goals if that's a on your fourth line that's good it's more than ottawa had obviously austin watson had 10 goals but he's gone now or will probably will be i don't think they'll sign him so um i'm taking florida's fourth line over ottawa's um so that kind of leaves it at two to one i take florida's first line and their fourth line but i take ottawa's middle six over florida's middle six so where do you stand on the fourth line yeah i mean again i don't think like opposite to the third line i don't think i can really take ottawa's fourth line over almost anybody because Right now, their fourth line projects is Parker Kelly, who's on a one-way deal, uh, Mark Kastelik, and Zach McEwen, which, again, we talked about this last time. It's just Kelly and McEwen, to me, they just aren't impactful enough. Like, I like the hits they throw. I think they'll be physical. But at this point, you need your fourth line to be able to at least produce a little bit. And I love Kastelik for what it's worth. I think he's a great fourth-line player. Um, also had, like, close to 60% on face-offs, which is awesome, and he's a good penalty killer. But um, Kelly and, and McEwen, to me, they just aren't those guys right now they should be extra forwards uh, I, i'm hoping they can find a way to keep joseph and, and he could play there or in the middle six but um for now i mean based on what we know i'm just not high enough on those guys if kirkshank is there it could be a different discussion but again he's just unproven and you, you can't take that over like a ryan lomberg right so uh, i definitely like florida's fourth line but like you said uh, I'm, I'm high on ottawa's middle six compared to that i think i think their third line i know lundell's good but the, it's a bit of a question mark we can go back to like if you forget about the cap friendly for a minute, a lot of their fans have their lineup projected like this for forwards. So first line, Rod Rodriguez, uh, Barkov, and Verhage. And then second line, Samuskevich, Bennett, Kachuk. Third line, Louis Dreinen, Lundell, Reinhardt. Fourth line, Cousins, Lawrence, and uh, Lomberg. So again, it's a lot of names to remember, and it's it's fine if, if that's just like blabble, but um, that, that's kind of the way that it projects. And I think as a whole, uh, the Panthers have probably the best two players or at least the best player right now uh, among both teams but then Ottawa has 
a lot more depth in regards to power, like star power. You know, I, I think that that's a good way to put it because I would certainly take Stutzla, Kachuk, Batherson, Norris, those guys over the Panthers group after Matthew Kachuk like that. That's kind of my take on it. So as a whole, I'm leaning Ottawa, but I am also biased and I'll probably be leaning Ottawa in a lot of these situations. So I can at least admit that um, again, I think like like um, oh my God, I'm blanking. Uh, like Buffalo, who we did last time, I think this is a very close group. I think they are comparable. I think both teams will be competing for a spot, and it would be silly for either fan base to say, yeah, this team's way ahead of the other one. You know, this, the, that's not the point of this, and if either fan base is saying that, it's clear bias because I think they are close in regards to where they are for forwards. So for forwards, that is the case, yeah, and it's very similar to Buffalo. You're right. I think this is tighter than I thought. Honestly, again, like more than I thought. This is why we're doing this. It's it's good perspective on depth charts and teams that they're going to be competing against for playoff spots next year. Let's go to the defense. And before we even mention anything, for those watching on the YouTube, the Cat Friendly page does not have Aaron Eckblad and it does not have um, Brendan Montour because of injuries that they suffered in the playoffs. So they are on the injured reserve. You can see right there is Brendan circling. Uh, so I don't know how long they're going to be out, but for the sake of this, uh, you know, exercise, like we did with Jack Quinn and Buffalo, we're going to assume that they're not on the roster right now and just assume that this is what they're going in with because both are going to be missing time, uh, this season. And with that in mind, this decor is not good. This is not a good decor. And that's why I think Ottawa is the better team overall, but we'll get to all that after. Um, so right now, like we, let's, let's just rip through all of this because it's not even a question. And I know. Maybe there's a Panthers fan watching and I'm kind of underselling maybe who's going to see this, but if this is going to be clips for Twitter, the Sens blue line is miles better than this on paper. Now with Ekblad and Montour, that changes things for sure. But as it stands in September and October, the Sens are better. And even with Ekblad and Montour, I would make the argument that the Sens are probably better off. Um, but now it's got uh, Forsling Mahura as their top pairing. Then Oliver Ekman Larson, Dmitry Kulikov is the second pairing, which I, I cannot see working out. Uh, and then Mikola and Matt Tierstead as their third pairing. Looks like they got Mike Riley as a scratch too. Like, I don't know, man. Nothing on that page screams to me that they're, anyone on that list is better than anyone on the Sens. Like, Forsling was good. He had a great year last year. I think he was impressive offensively. Um, but yeah, th that's where the Panthers are going to struggle, I think. And we talked about it with Boston last summer because they had injuries to their you know, court, they could, McAvoy missed time early on. So did Marshawn, but obviously the Bruins just wouldn't lose a game uh, because they were re really well run and well coached and whatever. But I think this is different because it's not, it's two members. It's your two best defensemen. It's not just two random, you know, players in different positions that you can supplement. It's two guys on the blue line, which is a big hit. So um, I'm taking the sends every single player over these guys. And I don't know about you. Yeah, I certainly am as well. I'm not high on that group at all. I was just looking up the injury status of Montour and Ekblad. So Ekblad, it says, will miss the start of training camp and he had to have shoulder surgery. He's probably going to miss, I don't know how many games during the season, but I would assume he will not play at the start again. Um, Montour as well is expected. He just had shoulder surgery, I believe, and he's expected to miss four to six months. So he might get back on the ice in September. If we're being optimistic, he might start the season, but it sounds like he's probably going to miss at least the first you know, 10, 20 games, uh, which can be the difference in, in making the playoffs, obviously, if they're rolling this defense for 10 or 20 games, right? So um, Ottawa's group, again, we talked about it. It's going to probably be Shabbat Chikrin on the top pairing, and then Sanderson Zub on the second pairing, Brandstrom Hamannick or Bernard Docker. I think all three pairings, like you said, are, are well above what you're seeing here 
Forsling has kind of broken out to be a pretty good player, but otherwise, like, I mean, Ekman Larson has fallen off of uh, the biggest cliff in history. Like, this is just not a not a good group of six. Um, but again, we will make sure to say, because the Panthers fans would get in the comments, we'll make sure to say that Ekblad and Montreux will play this season. They're just probably going to miss at least the first portion of it, um, which which can be a big deal. So, yeah, I don't even think we need to spend too much time on that because unlike Buffalo where they had Darlene and, and Power and it was a big debate, I even posted that. I'll probably do the same thing with this. Made the little post with the lineups and Buffalo fans. I used their hashtag just to get that engagement, you know, and, and they came in and they were angry. I don't even know what about. Like, they, they, the other fan base has always assumed that as a sense page, I'm completely, like, biased and, and totally favoring Ottawa. But in reality, I've, I mean, like, Buffalo is very close. Florida is very close. Um... I think Florida, if Ekblad and, and Montour were on this list for the full season, would be pretty close to Ottawa in regards to defense, but I still would take Ottawa's group, even with those two in, um, just because I, I think Ottawa, like, it's going to be a hard defense to beat. I keep saying that they're not going to get the respect till they earn it and they, they prove something on the ice, but on paper, which is really all we can evaluate at this moment, because we haven't seen much of Chikrin yet and stuff, I think that Ottawa's group matches up against most defense corps in the league. Like, that's just kind of my, my take on it, but... We can move to goalies here if you've got nothing else on defense. Uh, so, obviously, the Panthers signed Sergei Bobrovsky to that monster $10 million a year contract. Um, was that for eight years, too? Like, that's so insane that they signed him to this was, mega deal. Was. Like, $80 million. Yeah, yeah. And he he lost his role. The crazy thing about their playoff run this year was that Alex Lyon, who they didn't even keep, like, I don't even know where he went. He signed some like two way deal. He went on this miraculous hamburger run where he just pushed them to the playoffs and they went on this huge stretch because Ottawa and Florida were even at one point late in the season. Like I thought Ottawa was definitely going to finish above them. I remember Ottawa played them and I think they whooped them in a, a game late in the season. And I remember thinking, man, this Panthers team is bad. Like, right. I was hold, I was maintaining that, that right to the playoffs when they made it. I was like, you guys are going to get absolutely whooped in the first round. Like you're going to be out of here. Uh, because they looked terrible when Ottawa played them. And then Alex Lyon kind of carried them to victory. And then he lost his role in the playoffs after his Hamburglar run. And then Bobrovsky took over and he had this big stretch. So it was a lot of things going right for the Panthers in regards to their goaltending, I think. That's kind of how they got hot. Uh, Spencer Knight as well, who was a first-round pick uh, a few years ago, 2019, I want to say. He was on the, the player assistance program, and, and hopefully he's doing better. He's only 22. Uh, it really did suck to see that when that happened. and and kind of made you a little bit emotional for the guy but uh he's back i think so he, he's expected to be the backup now uh with Bobrovsky, which on paper very nice tandem we don't know what night's gonna be like he, he could be you know he hasn't played in a while so he could be up and down but uh Bobrovsky, if he can do anything like he did in the playoffs again i think they're gonna be in a pretty nice spot because he is a very like one of the league's best goaltenders when he's on his game but it's about consistency so um uh, what do you think about ottawa's goalies as a comparison since i kind of just touched on florida's uh how, how do they stack up it, it, yeah, this is where I think it might be the biggest question mark, and it is an on-paper thing. So if you look, and obviously on the YouTube again, the stats for the goalies last year, they got 71 games total out of Knight and Bobrovsky combined, um, and their numbers aren't much better than what Forsberg and Talbot gave the Sens, which is kind of funny. And then you mentioned Alex Lyon, who played the other 10 games, 8 games, whatever it was. Um, quick math for Jack there. Uh, you know, that that is a factor in the sense that he he's the reason they made the playoffs. Now, Bobrovsky took over in the playoffs and was absolutely dynamite. He looked like the best goalie in the NHL. It's just a question of can they do it in the regular season? Because yeah, it's a good tandem on paper. It's also an expensive tandem on paper. The Sens goalies are costing them six point seven five million. The Panthers are spending fourteen point five on a tandem. It's a big difference. It's almost an entire you know it's almost double of a difference, right? More even. So again, 
I'm, I got to stop doing the math with the numbers because I'm putting myself in a pretzel. But uh, the the thing is, I, like Corpus Allo is probably the biggest question mark in the sense that he had a good year last year. Obviously, his stats compared to Bobrovsky and Knights were much better during the regular season. But it's can he do that again? Because you mentioned, and like we're we're talking about the cap hit for Bobrovsky, but when he plays like he did in the playoffs, he's absolutely worth that. So it makes sense. The thing with the Panthers, though, and this is the whole team overall, they are older than the Sens are. Not that they're an old team, but you look, you know, they signed Ekman Larson, they get Kulikov, uh, two defensemen that are 32 years old. They've got Barkov, who's pushing 30. I think he's 27, 28 years old. Um, you know, Kachuk's 25, which is good, but like, they're Bobrovsky's 34. So again, I know it's just for next season, but you have to factor that in that they played until June. Like they had a long year and typically it takes teams a long time to get the engine going again when they've just made the finals, right? Like there's always that, I mean, they call it the Stanley cup hangover, but they didn't win the cup obviously, but they, they struggled or sorry, they, they played a lot of hockey down the stretch and with the injuries and whatever, we didn't even mention that Kachuk was also very injured as well. Like you don't know how he's going to bounce back. Um, so there's a lot of factors. So my point is a 34 year old goalie in Sergei Bobrovsky playing the way, playing the way he did playing as much as he did, uh, in the playoffs, I think that could take a toll on their season next year. And he's going to be the biggest question mark because for years, for pretty much the length of his contract, he's been a liability for the Panthers. Like they haven't been able to play him so much so that he didn't start game one of the playoffs, right? He took over for Alex Lyon against the Bruins. Um, and then Spencer Knight's also a question mark. So I'm going to take Ottawa's tandem over the Panthers, even though Corpus Allo is still a question mark, because I think Bobrovsky is a bigger question mark. And if it's just a yes or no question, are they going to be good? You got to take Bobrovsky, obviously, over any goalie the Sens have. But it's it's still a question. And depending how it's answered, I'm taking Ottawa's just because Knight's also a question mark, I guess. But then you could also say the Forsberg's also a question mark. So like both teams actually have stability in net yeah but they're both question marks on both of their goalies which is kind of funny um you know there are i mean maybe there aren't many teams that know what they have going in um in terms of you know what what their goalie is going to give them but that's kind of the game right it, it all comes down to goaltending so i am going to take ottawa's just because bobrovsky hasn't had a full regular season in florida where he's been a star like he was in the playoffs and i think that's fair i don't, I don't think i think i'm suggesting also that if he is a star then he's obviously the best goalie of either team probably one of the best in the league so it's not even a conversation but it's too big of a question mark for me to commit to that right now yeah it is and i just want to also say that corp Salo was by far the best goalie among this group last year he i think had a 915 save percentage and, and like i said last time uh his by by the numbers he was the 12th best goal in the league that's by save percentage and goal saved above expected which are fairly accurate like they're they're good ways to evaluate a netminder uh, and he did even better. I think he had a 9-2-1 save percentage when he got to LA. So, um, again, didn't do great in the playoffs against that Edmonton team. Um, but when you compare him to Bobrovsky, who did not have a good year at all last year, and, again, lost his role to to Alex Lyon, or he might have been hurt, but I think I think he just lost his role. Like, he was the backup for Lyon. Uh, he just wasn't playing well enough. And I just went back and looked at Bobrovsky, and he's only had one season since coming to Florida and signing that deal where he was above .910 for, for save percentage. It was 913 last year. Before that, it was 906 and 900 uh, in his first two years. So he hasn't been like this elite netminder. He did so well in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, go for it. Go for Sorry. It. So yeah. not last year, he was 913. Yeah. And they won the president's trophies. Yeah. <laughs> so like that, that's that's how you that's all you need to know. If he has a good year, this team is is legit, right? I think yeah. that's fair. They added Kachuk. They're, they're a better hockey team than they were 
when they won the president's trophy, I think. Um, but they just need Bobrovsky to be Bobrovsky. Uh, so if you're a Panthers fan, you should expect that because you just saw it in the playoffs. So I'm really curious. I think I think that's a huge. We talk about this. this we should call this the X Factor podcast because I keep saying it. This is the X Factor. So yeah, uh, I didn't, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but the the goaltending is is a is a question mark for both teams in a, in a really strange way. It is, yeah. But Bobrovsky, like they signed into that deal because in Columbus, the three years before he got sent to Florida or he signed in Florida. Um, he was nine one three, nine two one, and nine three one. Like he was very good those three years before coming to Florida. Uh, again, it just like this year he played. He played fifty. Last year he played fifty four games. Uh, and, and again was pretty good. But this past year, Corpusello was by far better than any goaltender on this list. So I think we have to factor that in. Corpusello, like the thing I'm so intrigued about him is that his numbers the past two years before this one that just happened were terrible. Like it was below nine oh save percentage. Um, he was in the eight, nine and eight, nine, seven, like it just wasn't good. Uh, but at the same time, those Columbus teams were terrible, like really bad. So when you put a goalie in a better situation and we talked about it, Columbus had one of the worst records in the league and Corpus Allo was actually 11 and 11 and three, like on a terrible team. I just, I'm so excited to see what he can do on a better team with a better defense. Uh, and I'm hoping that that wasn't just a one year wonder type of thing. And that's what we're all hoping. Um, because if he can do be average, like we talked about, I think that's all Ottawa needs. Um, but yeah, I mean, on the goalies, I would take Ottawa's group based on this past season. If Bobrovsky can be, you know, live up to his potential, he'll by far be the best goalie uh, on this list. But right now, and based on what we've seen over the last four years, except for the, these past playoffs, he, like he's just hasn't been that guy, right? So um, for now, and his age obviously is also 34. He's just not, you can't expect Bobrovsky to bounce back at this point. That's not fair to say. Um, whereas Corpus Allo, you know, being 30, I think that there's a better chance he, he kind of continues his play from last season. So Ottawa's goalies for sure. Uh, I think Ottawa's defense for sure, even with Ekblad and Montour uh, involved. And then the forwards are kind of the, they're the closest part of this whole discussion for sure. But I think as a whole, like, do you project the Panthers as a playoff team next year? I'm going to say no. Uh, and again, that's not because I don't think they're a playoff team. Like I said before, they're with the Carlson trade, there's now. 12 11 teams that have a legit claim to be to say i'm a playoff team we're trying to make the playoffs you know um so i would consider them one of those but i I really do think that with the drop off from the finals like injuries and stuff like that i i I would be so surprised if this is a team that pushes for top three in the atlantic they might be able to get some late season magic going like they did this year but um yeah to me i don't see them i don't see them making the playoffs i see them as one of the teams falling out um, which again, obviously the Sens kind of need to happen. Someone's got to fall out for them to make it. And it makes sense to be the team that came eight last year. So this, I, again, like we did this with Buffalo, like I feel enlightened. I feel a more confident in the Sens, but also more confident in their holes. Right. And you know, like we know their fourth line needs to be good there. I don't want to say ifs and question marks for their forwards, but on paper, on paper, this is a playoff team. Again, I'm going to keep saying it. We just compared them to the Florida Panthers who made the playoffs and the Buffalo Sabres who were one point out. Those are the two best. We should probably honestly just do the Penguins next time because they were the next team up. And then I think it was the Sens. I think it went Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Ottawa in terms of who missed uh, the playoffs last year in the East. So that's what we're going to wrap up with on episode 30 here. We ended up stretching for a long time, which is great um, with that Carlson stuff that we forgot to mention off the top. So uh, thank you everyone for watching. Please subscribe to the YouTube page. We are on the road to 1000. I think we're going to get there by training camp. Don't have a date in mind, just training camp. Sends report. We see videos of the players getting to the city. That's when we want to hit 1,000 subscribers. It goes a long way. Uh, Brennan mentioned a members podcast we're going to do tomorrow. First half-ish of that will be available to the public. The rest will be available to people who subscribe to 
everydaystens.com for in-depth analysis and coverage of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, so thank you everyone for joining and we will see you all next time.